Welcome to Elevate, the podcast where we dissect exceptional achievers who are consistently raising the bar personally and professionally to produce extraordinary results in investment real estate and ultimately in their lives. Now here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. Are you ready to take it to another level? I know I am. I'm here with Brian Flaherty. Brian, thank you so much for being here today. Tyler, pleasure to join you. Absolutely. So I want to welcome everybody back to the show. This is Elevate uh, Elevate Nation. What we're here to do, our mission is to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar professionally and personally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. And you know, one of the things we talked about so, so frequently is that this is a masterclass for leaders and those who are looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through real estate investing and ultimately in their lives. And so one thing what I would I do want to say before we get into the show is that if you appreciate what we're doing, we would appreciate if you would subscribe to our show, if you would rate it, you know, if you're so inclined to give us a five star review uh, rating and then also uh, give us a review, we would be so appreciative of that. We're grateful to have you here. And we're also grateful to have Brian Flaherty here. Brian is a member of CBRE's Central Midwest multifamily team and represents a high represents high net worth and institutional owners in the disposition of multifamily properties. Brian has been involved in the sale of over 2,500 units and nearly $250 million in existing property. And I know that it's a very Cliff Notes version of his bio because I know Brian really well and and he's a very, very accomplished guy. And, And so Brian, one of the things we talk about so frequently on this show is that you know, we're known from our bios in this business, but curious to know a little bit more about you beyond the bio. Sure, sure. So that is my bio as it comes down to commercial real estate. But I would like to think there's a little bit more behind the man. Um, I have a lovely, beautiful wife. We live here in Louisville, Kentucky, and have been blessed with two beautiful baby boys. So I am a commercial real estate junkie. Um, other than that, I am a family man first and foremost. Uh, so that's, that's where my passions really lie, both with the family and in the commercial real estate industry. That's awesome, man. I think it's really important to, to remember that it's not just business, right? So many people just focus on, you know, grinding and, you know, working those 80, 100 hour weeks or whatever, and they forget about what it's all for, right? At the end of the day, that's what we do our work for is to feed those and be with those that are at home. I love it, man. So tell me a little bit about how, you know, obviously you're, you're a high achiever. You're somebody who's looking to, you know, produce excellent results at all times. You're seeking excellence. I know that just from the many conversations that you and I have had. So what when did that start i mean how did that is there something just inner within you or is it was there a moment in your life that caused you to become that way i think it goes back probably since i was a kiddo but really again and this will probably be a theme throughout throughout the podcast today is my family but i grew up i was blessed to be able to play quite a few sports um as a kiddo as well as through high school so I always had that discipline of go, 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 more, more, more. But at the same time, it was really, it was really my family. And and once I was married and once we started having kids to say, okay, you know, as a man, I'm here to provide. I need to help. I need to help, you know, show them the way and give them the gifts that were given to me. Uh, and, And so at the end of the day, it's, it's something that was instilled from my family onto me and something that I, I try to instill 
into the ones that'll follow me as well. So basically what you're saying is like when you're growing up, you were obviously involved in sports. You're always competitive. You all, you had that innate drive to be a competitor on the field or on the basketball court or wherever, right? That's right. And that really, I think, translates more than anything. As, as fun as that was growing up, I, I think my parents today for what they did back then, because that's instilled a level of discipline to me that I've carried over throughout the past 20, 30, 40 years of my life that uh, continue to play themselves out in a day-to-day role here today. So how did, um, what type of discipline did they instill in you? I mean, what, talk, talk more about that. Well, I, and, and maybe this is the way I'm hardwired, but I, I don't do a good job of sitting down and um, just kind of chilling out. So when I was growing up, it was school, then it was practice, straight home, uh, homework, dinner, right to bed. So there's never been a, um, a whole lot of downtime in my life. I, you know, and that, that can be something that can work against you. Um, but at the same time, I've used that to help motivate myself and, and really use that as a catalyst to, um, to continue to use it to inspire both myself and other people. Okay. I love that. I mean, I think one thing that, you know, a lot of people do realize is that you've got to be consistent, right? You've got to be, no doubt about you it. You have to be disciplined because there's going to be, it's like the path of least resi- resistance always kicks in if you can't hold yourself accountable um, or if you can't be held accountable from someone else. So I'm curious as to, you know, how do you consistently stay disciplined? Is it just because, you know, mainly from that high level of just being inspired to, to raise a family, you know, the way that you were raised or, or what is that? How do you hold yourself accountable? It's that, um, not to get too philosophical early in the interview here, but it's also a, uh, a devotion to my faith and in really saying, the way I look at life is everyone should kind of, you know, take what they've been given and improve on it. I was blessed um, to have a mother and father and loving family that raised me the right way and gave me opportunities that neither my mother or father had. And so I look at it and kind of take it upon myself to say, hey, they gave me that. I should give my family and children equal and more and at the end of the day, if, if you don't think of it in, that, in those terms, if that doesn't motivate you, I don't know what does. So, so what really drives me, again, is it kind of all comes back to, to my family and what I can do to provide for them because that's what was given to me mm-hmm. uh, ultimately at a young age. So you obviously identified all of this and you said, all right, well, the best path for me to do that is potentially, and I know you took some detours along this path to get here, and I definitely want to hear more about that. But you decided to, you know, get into the real estate business. So tell me about, you know, why that was a choice towards achieving those ends. Yeah, absolutely. I think you've got to be, you, you know, at the end of the day, you need to be successful at what you do to provide for those that you love. And to be successful at what you do on a day-to-day basis, you have to love it. Um, as you said, I, I, I took a meandering path to get to commercial real estate. I... Um, We'll kind of go down that path right now. I was working for an institutional investment management firm here in Louisville, Kentucky. So that's a lot of words to say I worked on Wall Street. We were stock pickers and money raisers, and it was fantastic. Uh, the bright lights of Wall Street are very alluring to someone who's in their mid to late 20s. 
and I was I was blessed to be very successful at a young age but also realized that I wasn't going to be able to be the family man that I wanted to be because as is lucrative as Wall Street can be it's also very taxing on your time your body your mind and I wasn't really giving back the way I wanted to to my household and there was a time that came along where we were blessed to have our our first son um, coming, and I'll never forget it. I was actually in Europe traveling with my wife. Um, we were kind of taking our our sabbatical to get away from everything before life changed, and we were across the pond. I looked at her, and I said, when we get back, I'm leaving my current firm. And she looked at me with, you know, with a bit of bewilderness to say, what are you going to do? What are we going to do? You know, there's a baby boy along the way. But at the same time, I knew I liked what I was doing. I didn't love it. And like all wives, she was the one that kind of pointed to the fact that, you know, you, you have a passion, you have a drive for real estate. That's what you read about. That's what you listen to podcasts on. That's what you are constantly talking to friends and family and uh, those in the industry uh, that you know about. So it was a way for me to, to do what I love and do what I'm passionate about. And that's how you're successful in life. No matter what that is, whether it's commercial real estate or any other industry, the money will follow as long as you're passionate about it and can, can really put your whole heart into it, then you'll be successful in it. Yeah, no, that that's what um, I was thinking about when you're saying, look, in, institutional, you know, wealth management was was so taxing, and I and I do I I truthfully look at you know some of the space in our business as extremely taxing as well. But if you have the passion for it, if you believe in it, perhaps that's what you're saying is it may be taxing to many people or maybe considered in that way. But if you have that passion, it's not going to be, it's not going to take as much of a toll on you. No, no, no doubt about it. And that's not to say that commercial real estate can't be extremely taxing and, and frustrating and, and you have to have loads of dedication to be successful in it. But when that's your passion and that's your love, well then, then it's cliche to say, but work is play. And every day when I wake up, I'm excited to sit in that chair and get to work. And when the kids go down, the next thing that's running through my mind is, what can I do tomorrow? What do I need to tie up from today? And it's it's not taxing when it's your passion. How do you find that passion? Was that something that you were able to just stumble upon just through curiosity? Or is it something that you found earlier in your life in some other way? I mean, how did you take that path and just find this passion? You know, I was exposed to it at a young age. My family um, was in multifamily real estate on a small level. And it's one of those funny things that, my, you know, they, they were in the fiveplex, the tenplex type of property. So I grew up as cheap labor. Um, I was the one cutting the grass, painting you know, painting the walls and the ceilings of the vacancies and swore that I would do anything in my life other than own apartment buildings. Fast forward 30 plus years, here I am and I can't get enough of it. So it's it's one of those things that my family was a part of on a small level. I was exposed to it. I went down a lot of paths and didn't realize that um, that that's where I wanted to be until I started picking up books and podcasts and started having conversations 
with some people in the community here in Louisville. And it was almost one of those things, it was like a force from the trees. I couldn't quite see it. I couldn't tell that it was right there until my wife kind of whacked me over the head and said, hey, wake up, duh, this is what you talk about. This is your passion. This is what you want to be. This is what you want to do on a day-to-day basis. And from there, the stars kind of aligned and it, uh, it brought me to the path where I'm at today. That's awesome. I think um, I hear that a lot where people are involved maybe in the family business in different ways and and especially in real estate because it is such a generational type of an asset that, you know, it's inherent for people who are operators and investors to say, hey, I want to get my family involved. But if it's not their choice, obviously, it's that's a lot different than choosing to be in it. So now when it became your choice. Then you said, all right, well, I want to get involved now. And obviously your wife kind of helped you make that decision and move into the space. But uh, tell me how you decided to, was it sort of marrying your background with institutional wealth management, Wall Street type of work, uh, moving into institutional type of uh, brokerage as well? Yeah, I think that played a big role in it. My background was, was able to kind of help me transition there. Um, I was also able and blessed to to realize that there was a, a fairly big gap in the platform at one of the larger, lar- excuse me, larger flag commercial real estate firms here in Louisville, Kentucky. And like a lot of things in life, it was right place, right time. Uh, the managing director at that firm had been looking for someone to come in and kind of build out that capital markets platform, someone that had an institutional background. At the same time, you know, I, I came to him and said, this is what I want to do. This is my business plan for it. And, and frankly, made it very hard for him to say no to me. So I kind of built the roadmap for him, said, this is what the next two to three years look like. If you hire me, you're looking for someone, I'm the perfect fit. But at the same time, it was easy to kind of shuffle out of equities and into real estate. Not only was that my kind of alignment, but it also brought things more to uh, to my backyard. I'm a born and raised Louisvillian, so I was blessed to know the market, be in and around the market my entire life, and to have those institutional level relationships, but then also apply it to assets that um, that I know and drive by and live and breathe every single day was very fortuitous to me. Well, and the other thing that you've got to do is you've got to be not only somebody who's an expert about this local marketplace, uh, but also regionally, nationally, internationally, especially with such a global firm that you're, you know, operating within. Uh, you know, so tell me about that. I mean, how do you? Because I know for sure. I mean, we've had so many discussions on how international real estate or capital markets or you know so on and so forth all impact every market. And even in particular, you know, the local market in which we're operating. So tell me about how do you educate yourself on that process and those forces that are continually changing on a daily basis? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's a lot of fun. And one thing in my former life that I got to do was I, I got to travel and our clients were nationwide and worldwide. So you kind of get to bring that macroeconomic feel down to your backyard. So the assets that I work with are what I drive by and what I what I what I live every single day and in they're they're right here in Louisville. They're tangible. They're what I know. Everything that happens in our city influences what's happening at these apartment complexes. 
And then I get to communicate that to whether it be a REIT in New York or a private equity firm in Chicago, just what exactly is happening in Louisville. And as you said, that the world's being more and more interconnected. We're seeing global capital go to you know, all the gateway cities in the United States as well, some of the primary and secondary and even tertiary cities. So it's a it's a very unique I sit in a very unique role where I get to work on on a national, if not global scale with clients, but get to bring that type of capital and in my knowledge of the Louisville market to them and present it to them. That's awesome. Well, I want to I want to switch gears a little bit, and I appreciate you sharing a lot of the you know technical backgrounds and some of the, sort of the, some of the work that you're doing on continuing to educate yourself. Because you know the reason why I wanted to highlight that is because I think it really shows how important it is to have a deep and you know sort of 3D knowledge. Uh, you know, not only of your only lo- your local market, you know, the deals, the players. You know, but all of the factors. I mean, there's so many different factors, and I and I just wanted to highlight how important that is, and I know that that's really the world in which you live. And so I wanted to fast forward, you know, a little bit, you know, more more kind of about you and and your daily efforts and your daily habits and consistency. And so I'm curious, um, you know, to know, you know, what we talk about on Elevate is, you know, how we consistently raise the bar because I think it's it's important for us to say. You know, we're setting a goal for ourselves now, and once we accomplish that, we've got to raise the bar again. And so I'm curious to know, what do you do, or what have you done recently to raise the bar in your own business, your own effort, your own, you know, uh, you know, consistency, and, and ultimately your results? I mean, what, what have you been doing? This might sound counterintuitive on raising the bar, but, but the way I've been able to do that is actually to say no. Uh, there is a fantastic book that I would encourage all of your listeners to pick up called Essentialism. And Essentialism really, you know, summed up is less but better. And in our industry, there's a lot of people that run around, and I'll use quotes to say, go around doing deals. But if you really want to build a business and be known for something, you have to choose your path and become an expert in it. So the way the way I'd say I've raised the bar is is I want to go 100 miles an hour in one direction as opposed to spreading myself too thin and doing a little bit of here and a little bit of there. And so it's really learning to say no to the business, um, no to the things that don't add value to the things that you don't want to do, and really concentrate on the things where you can add the most value and the things that you can do to better both yourself and your business. I think it takes a lot of courage to say no, because I know for some, sometimes, especially in my business, if I'm you know presented an opportunity you know, I know that my fear tells me, well, wait a minute, if you say no, you know, is there going to be another opportunity or, you know, what's going to happen? What's the worst case scenario if oh, the other business dries up, the other business doesn't work out? So how do you how do you um, hold that courage within to say no and to be focused on one direction when, you know, everyone says, well, you know, diversify, diversify your revenue streams, diversify your, your opportunities. I mean, how do you have the courage to do that? Absolutely, Tyler. And, you know, what you choose to say yes to is just as important as what you choose to say no to, in my opinion. And you really need to align your thinking with your clients, your partners, um, your family, everyone. Everyone needs to be in alignment to have that 
purity in your mind. And if I say yes to everything, I know personally I'm not an expert in all sectors of commercial real estate. I can't do all my clients a service if I'm doing a little bit of this here, a little bit of that there. So what I've chosen to do is say, hey, these are my lanes, this is what I'm sticking to, and this is what I'm running 100 miles an hour at. And that, while I may say no to a few opportunities, will open more opportunities further down the line for myself. Yeah, I think that's a great uh, key. It's a great nugget from here is that, you know, if you become known as an expert, as a specialist in a certain field, then you're going to be, you know, you're going to be so much more sought out or sought after, you know, based on that expertise, because there's so many others who are generalists and, you know, you're not really known for anything. So I think it's a great nugget for Elevate Nation to remember, you know, whether they're building a syndication business, whether they're, you know, brokers themselves, attorneys. I mean, if you think about it, you've got to pick a lane. And it's also very, very important to realize that you cannot be an expert in everything. I mean, there's so much complexity to what we deal with. It's just absolutely. Impossible. And what and what I would say is n- none of the sectors in commercial real estate are right or wrong on a broad scale. Some may be more in favor or out of favor at a certain time, but you have to figure out what drives you and what you're passionate about, whether that be retail, office, multifamily, hotel, any of the above and beyond. You need to choose what what wakes you up in the morning and gets you out of bed and really drives you because that's the one that you're going to be the most successful in. Absolutely. And because when you get knocked down, you're going to remember that passion and you're going to be driven to get yourself back up because it's inevitable. I know that's for sure. So tell me about you. I mean, obviously you're, you're so consistent, but tell me about a habit or, you know, just one example that has really set you up for success recently. I think it's my my daily routine. I, I am admittedly a, a creature of routine and habit. So I, I'm one of those that is is a little bit lucky. I don't I don't require a ton of sleep, so I'm the last one to sleep in my house and also the first one up. But it's really those first few hours of the day that set me up for success. I like to wake up before for any of the craziness and chaos. I have two young boys at home and before they're up, um, it's just me, the dog, and a cup of coffee in my hand. And that's what really gets me going and propels me on a path to success for the day. Whether that's opening up a book and spending 30 to 45 minutes really deep diving into that, um, on top of taking just 15 to 20 minutes and saying, these are the two or three things that I have to complete today for my day to be a success. A lot of us get too wound up and too wrapped up into checking things off our list, in my opinion. And that to-do list, if if you're anything like me, it grows and grows. For every two I cross off, I add another three or four. But at the end of the day, if you look at it and say, "Hey, there, I have to, I have to finish and complete objects A, B, and C today. The rest, it's all a success." So to me. The best way to set things up is is really that morning routine that I have to to wake up and kind of put myself on that that day that day for success. Absolutely. I, one thing I've heard a lot of recently, and I, I'm looking at implementing it in my own life, is a nighttime routine. It's like I've heard that if you can you know optimize your yourself to get to a point where you can really rest you know optimally then you, you know, maybe you don't need as much quantity, but it's the quality, right? But I love the fact that it's all about your morning routine because, 
you know, the day gets crazy. I know it does for me and I'm sure it does for you. And, and so what else, I mean, what, what else are you doing in your morning routine that really sets yourself apart? I know you talk about reading and just having that time to think, is there anything else that Elevate Nation could, could take away from your morning routine? I like to pray. That may not be um, on everyone's agenda, but for me, that's a way. And whether it's 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 praying or just clearing your thoughts, really, and to say before before you get in the office, before the phones start ringing, um, it's a way just to 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 clear your mind and say, you know, we're all we're all here for a higher reason. And at the end of the day, what are we all working towards? So, before the craziness of the day starts, kind of. Kind of center yourself and say, what am I? What am I working for, and what am I working towards? Kind of help set my day up to say, you know, when 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 everything, when all the shiny objects are pulling me left and right and here and there. At the end of the day, you have to have something, kind of your north star that's guiding you to say, this is what I'm working towards, and and you know, at the end of the day, this is what I'm working for. Yeah, I think spirituality is so important, whether you're. You know, whether you have one religion or another or no religion, I think it's important to, you know, at least think about someone else and, you know, wish something well upon someone else. And it's amazing what happens to your problems, or at least this has been my, um, you know, experience whenever I kind of think of, you know, happy thoughts about someone else or, I, you know, if I say a prayer for someone else, my problems go away. So it's an, it's an amazing reminder that, you know, the secret to living is giving, is what Tony Robbins says. And no so doubt about it. Even if you just give a happy thought, or or you, you you're you're caring for someone else by just thinking of them or praying for them, I think that's amazing. And we have to be focused on other people, not just ourselves. And that's something that's so important about Elevate Nation is that you know we're not just doing this to be selfish. We're doing this because we want to help other people. And the thing about real estate that I think you and I share is that real estate is that vehicle that gives us the opportunity to give and contribute our talents and our, our time and our treasure. And, um, you know, so I'm curious, you know, what, what for yourself, I mean, you're obviously continuing to invest in yourself. You're continuing to invest in, you know, your own career, your family, your future, your knowledge. What's one of the best investments that you've made and most worthwhile investments that you've made in yourself in the past year or so? The first thing that comes to mind is probably a business coach. I, again, going back to the book Essentialism, he recommended that to me because I was that individual that was chasing the shiny object and was a bit like a squirrel. You know, you're you're heading down the path, you see something on the left, you dart to that, and then on the right, you dart to that too. So it's really figuring out that if if everything's a priority, then nothing is really a priority. And to me, the best thing that I've done to reinvest in myself is to have a coach and to say, help me kind of compartmentalize things and help, help me build that path for myself. And if you really look around, the one thing that, I'm, that, that I enjoy doing when I'm, when I'm not with the family and working in my career is, is watching sporting events. And if you're watching your, your Tiger Woods, your LeBron James, they all have coaches. They're the best in their business, some of the best of all time, and they're all coached. And so I was looking at myself and saying, I, I, if they're coached, why in the world am I not being coached? So it was it was finding someone to have that outside perspective that I can go to use as a sounding board and also use as someone to kind of help me paint that path of what the future looks like. I'm 1,000% with you on that one. I hired a coach years ago and 
I continue to invest in coaching and it's been tremendous for me. I think one thing that I've realized is that sometimes you just need like a lamppost to talk to, but then beyond that, if you have somebody who's an expert and somebody who can talk back and help strategize with you and help clarify your thinking, it's absolutely amazing. And I think people are really missing out if they um, you know, don't open their mind to coaching because it's phenomenal. And sometimes it's just someone to hold you accountable. I don't know if you're anything like me. I, I enjoy my fitness and working out. If I go to the gym by myself, I, I'll push some things around. I'll sweat. If I go to a workout class and there's a coach and there's other people watching me, I, I'm falling on the floor just to make sure that they know that I'm working hard. And when I leave that, those, those type of classes, I'm infinitely more rewarded internally than when I do it on myself. So it's it's getting away from that lone wolf approach and looking at not not just our industry, but life in general is a team game. And who do you have on your team? And who are kind of the five people that you surround yourself that you kind of take take away from? And, and what is who are you surrounding yourself to influence you? I really, really like that. I think one of the things that I see so much is that, you know, if you're not cognizant of who's spent, who you're spending time with, you don't realize it, but you become them, you know, and, and I think you have to be intentional on who you're spending time with, which is one of the big reasons why I think you and I have really tried to gravitate towards each other, which I really I, have I appreciate that. And, yeah. um, and, and, and the accountability thing is so important too. Like if you're, if your feet are not, you know, theoretically held to the fire, you're going to follow the path of least resistance. So if you don't hire a business coach, you know, at least have somebody that is aware of your goals and they can stay on top of you on a, on a consistent basis, whether it's weekly, you know, biweekly or whatever it is, you know, have somebody holding you accountable. And, you know, because a lot of times, you know, if we're not defiantly committed, then we're not going to do it. And, you know, it's, there's a lot of difference in being interested and being committed. And so I really, really like that you shared that. Tell me about what's um, what's one failure that's really set you up for later success. Oh gosh, a failure. I th- I think it's it may not even be as a su- specific failure, but more in general. Kind of going back to what I was saying before, I was a total yes man, and it was learning to say no to things to really set myself up for success. Because when I was saying yes to everyone and everything, I, you know, I wasn't in alignment with myself, with my partners, with with clients. And it was really that I, I was I was burning the candle at both ends and knew it was that internal feeling where you kind of know, hey, I, I'm not servicing myself. I'm not servicing others around me. And it was it was that understanding that you have to you have to pick what you're passionate about and really go 100 miles an hour at it and not just be a yes person. Now, I'm, I'm tying that into our commercial real estate industry. Um, but in general, it's just it's learning what you're passionate about and kind of that less is more uh, mentality that I spoke about earlier. So you probably, I'm imagining you just hit a wall on something and you realize, wow, essentialism is really speaking to me. My coach is telling me, look, you can't be chasing every single squirrel out there. You've got to pick a lane. Was there, was there a specific moment that was just like, my God, it's time to back up? You, you know, that book is so important to me that I was a, I forget, 32, 33, maybe year old man at that time, read the book and wrote my own book report on it. Um, I actually brought it with me here today. I keep it highlighted. I keep notes on it. 
Um, I got five to 10 pages here and I break it out on a monthly basis and reread it and say, you know, I, I could probably recite it to you today without even looking at it. I've read it so much, but it's really important to me to, uh, to kind of use that as my, m- m- what guides me and to say, you know, make sure every time something pops up, you're not following that. So this kind of helps keep me grounded and keeps that top of mind for me. That's really cool. I, I read Essentialism, I think it was last year. It's funny because I read Essentialism, and then the next book that I read after that was 10X, <laughs> 10X Rule by Grant Cardone. And it was like diametrically opposed uh, you know, opinions <laughs> of what, how you should live your life, how you should run your business. But there's always nuggets that you can take from certain, you know, whether it's a podcast or a book or any sort of discussion or you know, just relationship. Um, and so I definitely recommend essentialism because what we have going on in today's world is so overwhelming that if you do not label whether something is essential or non-essential to at least kind of begin the relationship with a certain task or project or anything you're interested in, I think you're really going to kind of shoot yourself in the foot, so to speak. And so uh, it's really great that you keep Tyler, we sit here in the heart of horse country, and really it's, it's a matter of putting those blinders on and picking and choosing what is important to you and follow and focusing solely on those things. And, you know, the world has become with, with the world of Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, it's all shiny objects. And it's a matter of choosing what, you know, really drives you and what is important to you. Yeah. The other thing too, is that we have so many different options and opportunities to find role models, to you know, find other people to, you know, help us understand our lives better, our business better, you know, learn more about our opportunities and capture more opportunities in our life. But we've got to, we've got to have blinders on on that with that regard as well, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious to know, you know, who are some of your role models in your life that have really been a huge influence on you? You know, I've been asked this more than once in my life, and I, I'd be remiss to say, and I know, again, I know it's a bit of a cliche answer, but it, it, it comes back to home to me, and it's my dad. My father um, was kind of your traditional humble upbringing, uh, had, to, had to pay his way through college, ma- basically created every opportunity that he's ever had for himself. And along that way, he he'd probably be the first to admit it. He stumbled upon real estate. He went out to buy his first home after college. He found a fiveplex, decided to buy it, live in one of the units, rent the rest of it out, and realized, hey, this is this is a heck of a deal here, and was able to parlay that into a few other opportunities. He not only had a successful career, um, but was able to create a small real estate portfolio and, and, and allow him to... Um, retire at a, at a relatively young age and kind of live that lifestyle that he wanted to live. But, but above all, he's, he's one of the most faith-filled and family men that I've ever met. And what, what really inspires me is he has, like I mentioned, he, he has a real estate portfolio now that allowed him to retire early. He spends as much time with my kids as I do um, and he's really the person that I, I, I aspire to be. And I know that everyone kind of says their dad, but it, you know, to me, it, it really is. It is my father, and he's not the only one. I have other other individuals. My my former priest at um, at my my congregation, who's now the bishop of 
Nashville is one of the one of one of the greatest men that I've ever met, and we were blessed enough to um, have him marry my wife and I, and baptize both my young boys. So it's there's not one role model in my life. It's it's kind of going back to what you said about books. I I like to take a a handful of really great men and pick and choose some of their best qualities and say I want to be I want to be like him in this way. I want to be like this gentleman in that way. And 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 not just men, females as well. There there I have an aunt or two that I look up to and absolutely aspire to. So again, common theme, it kind of comes back to my faith in my family. Um but there but but above all uh my dad. My dad is absolutely uh my biggest role model out there. That's awesome. One of the um one of the big things I think too that a lot of Elevate Nation would agree on is that we are all role models. You know, not only do you have a role model, you know, in someone else, maybe it's your dad, your priest, or anyone else, but we are all setting an example for people who are our peers. They may even not be our peers, but people are looking up to, especially Elevate Nation, because these are people that are really taking control of their own lives to make life better for other people. And, you know, you mentioned about your dad, about how he kind of stumbled into real estate and, you know, he didn't really know anything about it. And I think that's so common as well. So many people don't really know anything about real estate, but they get into it and it starts to allow them to do other things outside of, you know, real estate. It's a vehicle that then allows them to give their talents to, to the rest of the world. It allows them to be a great role model for other people. So I think that's also a great nugget of wisdom. So also something else that I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, your goals, because you're such a goal oriented person. I mean, what's what's a goal that you're really inspired towards working towards right now? Yeah, I think in general, um, that there's there's an going back to books again. There's another book that I read recently called The E Myth, and it really breaks things down. And all, in all business, is really um, a, a, an organization of systems, and it's it's finding a way to systematize your lifestyle. So for me, in particular, I was brought on to a larger commercial real estate firm to build out an entire team. And the way I look at it is from day one, you know, you, you, you kind of take the whiteboard, you draw the boxes on the board and you say, this is the team. Um, at that day, there may be only one of one or two of you on that team. And each of you could fill two, three, four, five boxes. But I, you know, one of my goals is, is building out my team currently. Um, we've brought on an individual recently and continue to kind of build those team members out. So that's something that, um, I'm pretty proud of uh, an accomplishment is really just a the vision of what that team's going to eventually look like, and b starting to implement that vision and starting to bring bring that uh, to life, and also you know uh, from a higher level offer others opportunities. Um, and when you bring someone onto a team and you build things out like that, you you provide for others and give them the opportunity to succeed as well. Yeah, one of the things that I've become so obsessed with over the past couple of years is systems. I mean, I am like obsessed with it because I've always, you know, coming up into the business myself, I have always had to really kind of 
run it off the seat of my pants in some ways, but to build those systems, to be able to systematize your your life, your business, and real estate is a system in itself. Mm -hmm. Another book that I read on that recently was a book called Traction. Um, it's an amazing book on building teams and systematizing your business, so I would highly recommend that. Certainly, E-Myth Revisited uh, is another great one. Uh, curious to know also, just on the topic of goals, what's what's a goal that you are proud to have accomplished over the past 12 months? I think, and it may not even be a goal, but it's more of a realization. And kind of backing up to what you just said, I, th I think so many of us run so hard and so fast, it's almost that you get to that breaking point and say, this isn't sustainable. Like, th what I'm doing currently can't be done for the next 2, 5, 10, 20, however many years it is. So what do I do to harness this and, and, and really take this to the next level? So I think Great point. I, I think a, a really a realization and then goal of mine was was hey what I'm doing I can't do forever and what do I need to do to build this out so it was really that working with a coach to say I need some framework I need to build I, I know what I need but help me realize what's in my brain right now and how do I put this down on paper and implement this. Um, into a team model, into a system model. So it's it's really a lot of goals that are kind of built around that team and in, in, in bringing that team to fruition. That is really cool. Um, tell me a little bit about, I mean, I feel like you've said it a million times in here, but I want to know more about the driving force behind what you do. I mean, it sounds like it's your family. It sounds like it's your faith. But go a little bit more in depth on that. I mean, yeah, what, what's the core of that? No doubt about it. It's it's family and faith, both one A and one B there. But it's also a um, just just a a need and just a fulfillment in connecting others, and that's and that's connecting others without really expecting anything in return. And I have an absolute passion for watching others succeed, and I think I get a lot of that. Um, from my father, and that's just kind of the way that I'm hardwired. But, but in this in this industry, I'm able to be a connector and being able to to realize and kind of diagnose one person's problems and connect them with someone else that can be the solution for them. And watching both or three or four, however many parties it is, kind of flourish and succeed is something that, that, that really inspires me and something that I, that I enjoy absolutely. That's awesome. All right, so what we're going to do now is we're going to move into the rapid-fire section, and this is what we call the Rare Air Questionnaire. Elevate Nation knows that this is like you're climbing the mountain, and most people gave up. Like they most, <laughs> most people gave up two hours ago. It was still pretty easy back then, but they gave up. And, you know, we're, we're reaching the peak, but we all know that the peak is really, we're never going to reach that peak. We're always continuing to go uh, along this path. So, um, you know, while we're up here, tell me um, what's, you know, we've talked about books. Obviously, essentialism has been something that has been super impactful for you as well as E-Myth Revisited. Um, tell me what is the most impactful book you've ever read and why? Oh gosh! Um, again, it's it's hard to pinpoint one. Essentialism is absolutely uh, at the top of that list. I think another one that um, kind of hits the board for me is is the Robert Kiyosaki series, and just realizing 
that you know there, there's more to be in life than just an employee. Um, the way that the current school system is set up is is really go go through you know your high school, your undergraduate, and then go out into the world and become an employee. And really, if you want to find that freedom in life, there's more to that. Um, there's 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 more beyond that, and it's really how do we set ourselves up to whether it's running your own business, being an investor, but just just being able to kind of uh, you know release yourself from the um, I don't want to call them shackles of an employee, but at the same time, you know you you want to find if you're not working for your own goal, you're working for someone else's goal. So at the end of the day, that one kind of helped me realize there's more out there and that I need to be working towards my own goals and not someone else's. Yeah, I've heard the saying where it says, you're either building your dream or you're building someone else's. It's the same words that you said, but in another way, and I think it's a really profound statement. I, I heard that years ago and it really kind of caused me to think, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, I was in a large corporation at the time and and I came to realize that, wow, I actually, you know, yeah, I'm working for this paycheck and I, I do have my goals, but, and there's nothing wrong with that, but you do have to realize that you've got to take some control of that direction. So, so absolutely, the whole point of books is to garner wisdom, right? And then put it into action. So I think that's really important as well. Um, so tell me what, what's the biggest way other than some of the habits we talked about earlier that you elevate your life on a daily basis and your business? Well, I think first off, you you have to keep yourself um, in a good state of mind. So whether that's your your family, your your fitness, um, your nutrition, you need to be running at optimal speed if you want to elevate both yourself and other people's lives. And then it, it just gets back to giving back. It's it's just like Christmas Day. Giving is always better than receiving, and it's picking and choosing what you do. I know. Uh, I, again, I was, I was a yes man. I said yes to every social event, every networking event. And so now to me, it's really picking and choosing. If, if I can go attend an event and get something out of it, great. If I can go and add value to that event, even better. So it's, it's really picking and choosing where I can give back and make the most impact in life. That's awesome. And we're definitely getting a theme here of you know, choose your lane and go in that lane and don't veer from it. So there's a lot of a lot of wisdom behind that. So you did you did mention this slightly in what you were just talking about, but how do you elevate others around you? Yeah, again, it's kind of what I mentioned a few minutes ago. It's 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 connecting others and bringing others together. Everything that we do to me is a team game, and it's how can you elevate your team? Maybe that's because I grew up playing playing team sports and always enjoyed being a part of the team, but what can I do to give back to others? Because at the end of the day, the more you give back, the more you're going to receive down the line. So anything that I can do to help others succeed is going to elevate me on a personal level and come back to me tenfold down the line. Tell me a little bit about while we're here on team, I meant to ask you this earlier, but what other members of your team have you found to be essential uh, along your path? Oh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say my wife first and foremost. She's the captain of the team. Um, but other than that, you you have to have a team in everything, or you have to have a team member in everything that's important to you in life. I have a team member from my faith team, um, from my family team, multiple team members 
from my career team as well. And so it's it's really putting the right people on the bus at the right time. That is really, and that goes back to accountability too. Because yes, we all have great willpower. We all, you know, we're all A players. We're all, you know, A type personalities and we all, we're drivers. But if you don't have people holding you accountable in, diff, in different areas, if you're not setting goals for yourself, whether it's obviously financially, in real estate, in your career, but also in your health, in your faith, in your spirituality, uh, in, in your family development, I think it's great to have, you know, it's kind of like building mentors and kind of building even like a, you know, a board of advisors, so to speak, in, in different fashion. So we're, we're all our own corporation and we all need our own board of advisors that influence us, no doubt about it. That is really, really cool. So, Brian, I really want to thank you for being here with us today. I can't believe it's already really come to our time. But uh, if the listeners uh, wanted to reach out to you, how can they how can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, they can first and foremost, they can email me. Um, That's probably the easiest way to get in touch with me. It's Brian, B-R-Y-A-N dot Flaherty, F-L-A-H-E-R-T-Y at C-B-R-E dot com. Um, I am in and around my uh, phone, maybe too much, um, but th- that's probably the easiest and best way for, for any of Elevate Nation to get a hold of me on a daily basis. I can definitely say that there's a lot of takeaways from this show. So what I want to remind Elevate Nation to do is to, you know, use repetition. You know, I would rewind the show, play it over again, take notes because you know, repetition is the key to learning. And then also the key to anchor in that learning is to take massive action. So, you know, knowledge is only potential power, you know, action, uh, acting on that knowledge is, is the true power. And so take massive action. So until next time, we want to thank you for being here. And Brian, thank you so much for being here as well. Tyler, appreciate it. And thanks to all the listeners. Thank you so much. All right. We'll see you next time. Thanks guys. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit tylerchesser.com.